You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Before we get to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, let's talk real quick about tickets. You know, getting tickets online can be just too complicated. There are hundreds of sites. They have varying levels of reliability. It can be really hard to know who to trust. And that's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats that you want for a price that you're willing to pay. There's nothing like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. So whether you want to go to Memorial Stadium this weekend to watch the Hoosiers play Iowa or for one of Indiana's other home dates for the rest of the football season, or you want to look ahead to the basketball schedule and get tickets to home games like Marquette and Louisville and the many games on the Big Ten slate that are going to be so exciting this year to watch Romeo Langford play at Simon Scott Assembly Hall, SeatGeek is the place to go. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It is my go-to spot, not just for football or basketball tickets, but also for concert tickets and for other live events. And the reason why I like going there is because SeatGeek is designed to make the ticket buying experience easier than ever. They search multiple ticket sites, they grade every ticket based on value, and that helps you to identify immediately the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop on SeatGeek with confidence. And here's a great thing for you, since you're listening to the Assembly Call, you can get $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY today. That's promo code ASSEMBLY for $20 back after your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event, we have the tickets. Now here's this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 97th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 429th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, October 11th, 2018. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Martin takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's banner moment occurred way back on Sunday, October 6th, when Archie Miller took to Twitter to announce the first gold jersey recipient of the season. Now, if you aren't familiar with the gold jersey concept, it's something Miller brought with him from Dayton and instituted last season. It is awarded on a weekly basis to the most productive player in practice based on a set of stats that the coaching staff tracks throughout the week. And this year's first gold jersey winner was, not surprisingly, Juwan Morgan. His victory came on the heels of Miller's public pronouncement of Morgan and Zach McRoberts as this year's captains. And this matters because, as we've discussed often on this show, the best college basketball teams are the ones that have strong internal leadership. 
not just top-down leadership from a good coach, but consistent player-driven leadership from the best and most experienced players on the roster. That's Juwan. And he couldn't possibly have set a better tone for his senior season and his captaincy than by going out and leading by dominant example in practice. And by the way, that word dominant, that was Archie's term for how Juwan's been practicing, not mine. There are many questions that will have to be answered in the coming months for this group of Hoosiers to prove that they are contenders in the Big Ten and perhaps even nationally, but internal leadership won't be one of them. It will be interesting to see who can take the gold jersey away from Juwan. My guess is that he'll get pretty comfortable in it this season, which is exactly what you want your senior star and leader to do. Okay, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, he is back to my left. He is the Chris Stapleton of Girls Youth Sports Coaching in Cincinnati, the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and one of the world's best bracketologists. Bottoms looms over other bracketologists the way seven foot three Chris Stapps Borzingas looms over point guards. He is Andy Bottoms. And Andy, we're going to get to your bottoms line, but I have a much more pressing question for you. Will you be attending Joe Lenardi's bracketology cruise to Bermuda this May? This that was actually what I was gonna I was gonna lead with. I mean I think Tonsonia and I need to come up with a lower budget version of that that's more affordable to the to the common man. Uh, as uh, given ride, the prices, given the prices, given the prices of the aforementioned Joe Lenardi bracketology cruise, uh, I'm not sure he may have priced out many, uh, many of uh, many of our listeners, and certainly me. But uh, you so guys no, aren't not, you guys aren't making a ton of money with your bracketology content? Is that not shockingly shockingly no? Um, <laughs> But uh, apparently, apparently he's doing quite well. Or this cruise is a way to supplement his income. Either way, uh, either way, I did I did see that, and I was a little bit caught uh, caught off guard by the fact that something like that would exist, and that there would be uh, enough demand to warrant uh, paying upwards of a thousand dollars to go on this cruise. But um, be that as it may, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do like a Tonsonia and I are going to do like a an out you know, a boat with an outboard motor cruise around like Lake Monroe. Uh, that'll be pretty much do it. Do a Louisiana swamp tour or something. <laughs> Gator cruise. Yeah. Where nobody can hear you over the, the soft hum of the, yeah. Perfect. Uh, anyway, I okay, mean, there's so no, your bottom's line, Andy. Yeah. Yeah. There's no good way to transition from, uh, no. from the prospects of, of that. Um, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of piggyback on what you said a little bit. Um, one of the comments that came out today was about Juwan winning the gold jersey. And among the many, many questions that were asked about Romeo, uh, one of them led Juwan to respond that uh, after, you know, they had like kind of called out some of the numbers and announced that he had gotten the gold jersey, um, that that Romeo apparently came up to him in the locker room afterward and was like, I got to win that or I'm going to win that. And I think, um, I think pretty cool to see, you know, you have the established guy in Juwan. Uh, and, and, you know, Romeo is the guy they put up with him, uh, at the, the IU media day. And I think for those guys to kind of pull one another along and motivate one another is an exciting thing to see. And, uh, and, and I hope that, uh, that Romeo's, uh, hopes and, or his premonition that he's going to find a way to win that will come true because I think that would speak well to, uh, how he's performing and certainly, uh, everything everybody has said about him so far has talked about how hard he's worked in practice. So uh, certainly something that seems within the realm of possibility, but excited to see the competitiveness of a guy like that in practice who, you know, not long after being on the campus is, is already trying to, you know, kind of gunning to, to take down the top dog at that. So uh, exciting to see from a, a competitiveness standpoint, for sure. And to my right, he's a columnist for The Big Lead and a co-host of The Hangover, but you know him as Indiana Radio's most opinionated polarizing, over-the-top personality. I pretty much have an opinion on everything. He is Ryan Phillips. Do I look like I just woke up? Because I did. 
Ryan. So glad that you're awake and with us. What is your rant this week? Thanks. Uh, you know what? I'm switching gears. I'm not going to do Indiana basketball. I'm going to cover Indiana football. How about that Indiana football team stealing Ohio State's top running back recruit, James or Samson James, going to Indiana, turns his back on the Buckeyes and will be an Indiana Hoosier staying home. The Avon uh, kid is is going to go. I, that, that's what I'm most excited about this week. I know it's media day, but I've been busy with my job and I have not gotten to catch up on all the media day stuff yet uh, all day today. So I, I'll I will, do that on the show. Yeah, <laughs> I basically will. That's what breaks are for. Right. Uh, but no, I, I just I wanted to say, I mean, I know we're going to focus on IU basketball. It's kind of slow up until media day uh, this week. So I've had this one in the in the pocket all weekend, uh, very or all week. I've been I'm very excited for that. Uh, congratulations to everybody there. Uh, on the IU football side of things while we're all focused on basketball. And uh, I thought that was pretty awesome. Turning that, a four-star running back, keeping him home. So does that count as our first win over Ohio State since 1988 or 1987? Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 All right, good. Uh -huh. We'll take it. I do, I do like that he flipped after an unofficial visit to Columbus. Like he went to Columbus. He's like, yeah, no, this isn't happening. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stick with Bloomington. So yeah. I, I thought that was pretty great, but he, he made that's a wise a, that's, choice. That's big IU news. I'm, I'm sticking with it. I think that, I think I was justified in going with that. All right. Well, here's what we're going to talk about this week. We will talk about Big Ten Media Day and give you some reactions to what we heard there. And then we will give you our preseason Big Ten predictions and, and really give you an outlook for how we see the conference shaping up the season. And then we're going to answer some of your questions, some really good ones submitted this week. So really looking forward to that segment of the show. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. Before we get to talking about Big Ten Media Day, I want to remind you about the best way to shop online for great deals on IU basketball and football tickets. Just remember this URL, iutickets.shop. It will take you right to SeatGeek, where you can immediately find the best deals on IU basketball tickets. Plus, you can search for IU football tickets, other sports tickets, concert tickets, and more. As a bonus, you can use the promo code ASSEMBLY to get $20 back after your first purchase. And just so you know, when you use that URL, iutickets.shop, we actually get paid a commission for referring you. So it's a great way to support the show. And by the way, I just looked on SeatGeek before we started the show, and there are still tickets available for every Indiana game, including the Duke game. I'm buying no matter how expensive it is. Well, right now, the best deal for Duke tickets is a single seat in the third row for $767. Feelings have changed. I thought so. On the bright side, there are tickets available for the Chicago State game, the first official game of Romeo Langford's career, for just $16. So do consider those. And when you do, again, use our URL to do it, iutickets.shop, promo code ASSEMBLY for $20 back after your first purchase. Again, iutickets.shop. Thank you. All right, gentlemen. So let's start. Uh, talking about Big Ten Media Day here. And, and let's start with the first thing that was announced, which was the preseason all-conference team. Now, they don't do uh, the preseason all-conference team like first team and second team. Uh, I guess just all the guys who get votes end up on the team. But there were two unanimous choices, Carson Edwards and Ryan's favorite player from Wisconsin. And then other guys who made the Who's team. Who's that? Uh, <laughs> we, you know who we're talking about. Your buddy, Ethan Happ. Uh, Cassius Winston and Nick Ward. James Palmer Jr. Jordan Murphy. Charles Matthews from Michigan. Anthony Cowan. And then our very own Juwan Morgan and Romeo Langford, All on the all-conference team. So, Andy, what was your reaction to that? Is there Were there any glaring misses there? And do you like how the Big Ten does their preseason all-conference team? I mean, my general reaction was that it's stupid that they have 10 players on it, but I don't really understand between that and not releasing any kind of formal preseason poll. Apparently the Big Ten very concerned with everyone's feelings. So 
uh, we can, you know, take solace in that. But I didn't really understand why. So no, it's it's hard to it's hard to miss when you take double the number of people that you should. So um, yeah, I don't I don't know that there were any clear uh, omissions at that point based on uh, based who was do, on there. Shouldn't they just do what they do with the postseason? Do a preseason? Just do the first team. And then do uh, uh, just do first team. That's it. And then do a coach's poll and a media poll. Like, how is that hard? I don't get why they do it that's the way they do it. That's, that's no why idea. they do the unofficial media poll, which we'll talk about later, which thank yeah. goodness for that. Yeah. I thought if, if you want a guy who wasn't on there that I thought maybe that I was a little bit surprised wasn't, I guess, at least of a team that wasn't represented would probably be like Tyler Cook from Iowa. But I can see why in a lot of these, Iowa's not getting a, a great deal of, um, you know, accolades because they didn't really play defense last year. And you were going to be so upset. Yeah. Well, well actually, you know, what was funny is Tyler Cook was upset. So he did the little Twitter eyeballs thing when he retweeted that, which was kind of funny. So he's clearly going to yeah. use that as some motivation. Yeah. So, I mean, be, I can see that, the but Hawkeyes. at the same time, it's, but at the same time, it's like, if you've got a team full of guys who were there last year, that didn't really do anything. So, you know, we've done this before without you football. It's like, Oh, we have this many starters back. I was like, we have this many starters back from a team that won three games. You can't really get that excited about it. So, um, but he he might be the one omission. He's up on he's up on high football. This is a good week for them. <laughs> um, Ryan, hey, one let, good week doesn't change all the all that I've seen over the course of time, Ryan. <laughs> Ryan, let me ask you this: Do you have any problem with a freshman like Romeo Langford, who obviously highly decorated, tons of talent, hasn't done anything at the college level, being a preseason All Conference pick? No, because it's. I mean, they're just doing the obvious thing by selecting. I mean, it's we all know how good he is and how good he's going to be. Will he put up the numbers to be first team all conference? I don't know. We don't know. But if you had to look at it right now and say, who is the best player in the conference? He's certainly in the mix for that, just based on what we know about him. And yeah, he hasn't done anything yet, but so what? I mean, a lot of these guys have, you know, you're, you're picking these guys based on what you think they're going to do this year, not what they did last year. And, and so Carson Edwards is a great player. We know that. He's really the only guy that can lay claim to conference preseason player of the year based on what he did last year. I mean, and and so, yeah, this is all a projection. And if you're projecting Romeo Lankford based on what you've seen from him, yeah, he's probably going to be an all-conference player. Maybe not first team, but he's certainly going to be in the mix. I mean, just based on what we know about him. Yep. And and that's just the world of college basketball right now that a freshman is going to be on that list. I mean, there are five-star freshmen all over the place who are going to be on those lists. Yeah. Well, we will give our all-conference teams in segment three when we kind of take our look around the Big Ten and do our predictions. But coming up in our next segment of the Assembly Call, we will give you our main takeaways from what Archie, Jawan, and Zach had to say at Big Ten Media, including comments about the most competitive practice battle that should have all IU fans excited, I think. Stick with us. That's coming up here on the Assembly Call. You are listening to The Assembly Call. If you want to get replays of our show, listen to our daily Banner Morning IU News updates, or subscribe to our free IU Basketball email newsletter, visit assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to watch our unedited live broadcasts, then check out our YouTube channel. You'll be privy to all of the between-segment banner that doesn't make it into the radio show or podcast edit. On a recent episode, that included Ryan telling outrageous lies about his basketball career, like this one. I was a captain at Indiana. You were no such thing. Tell the truth. Seriously. All right. Check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash assembly call. I am Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. 
And guys, let's talk that about wildly. That was wildly misleading, Jared. Wildly <laughs> are, you say, are you saying I'm I took that out of context? I'm I'm offended <laughs> heavily. Um, that's what's fun about that is taking those quotes out of context. I believe you were you were trying to speak as Juwan or Zach talking about how proud they must have been. I was a captain at Indiana, but yes, that's exactly what I was doing. Thank you for misleading our audience. <laughs> but at least I, at least I came out with it. Okay, um, so let's talk about some takeaways from Big Ten Media Day. Uh, the biggest thing that I took away, and Archie talked about this, Juwan talked about this, was how much Devontae and Rob are competing in practice. And Juwan, actually, he named those two guys. He talked about how those battles have just been really intense, you know, really going at each other. And he talked about, you know, kind of the contrast in their styles, you know, how Devontae kind of has that city game, like Archie has described it. You know, Rob's a little bit more fundamentally sound. To remind people, we're talking about Rob Finnessy, not Robert Johnson. Somebody, somebody just texted me and said, Rob? And I was like, Finnessy. Oh, yeah, Rob Finnessy. Okay. Yeah. We're, I get, we're, not, we're not far enough removed from Robert Johnson's career yet. I guess not. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That, that's fair. So, and then Archie brought Al Durham into it, you know, to kind of remind everybody that he's kind of in those battles too. And I just, I thought that was really encouraging because that is the biggest question mark. And it's not necessarily a question mark because of talent. We know there's ability at the position, but it's not proven. You know, it's a little bit immature in the case of a guy like Finnessy, who's just a freshman. But Ryan, when you hear that and you hear that those guys are going at it, to me, if that carries into the season, that really suggests that we will see better play, more consistent play, because you're going to have to, to get on the floor. And that's what we've been hoping for. So to actually hear that it's coming to fruition in practice... Of all the things I heard, you know, beyond the, the talk about Juwan being dominant in practice, I think that was probably the thing that had me the most encouraged from the Big Ten Media Day quotes. Well, you recruit, and, and I know the initial thought is you recruit to have good players, and you do. You recruit to have top-end talent, but you also recruit to have depth, and that depth makes the top-end talent better, and it makes your, the, the, the guys lower on your roster. When they're talented, you make the guys up top better. I mean, even in things like football, when your scout team is good that may, or has talented players, that makes your first team good. And, and so I think that uh, hearing that those guys are really going after each other in practice is great because that means that they're going to have, they're both going to have to get better to beat the other one. They're going to have to find ways to beat each other, find ways to elevate their games. And uh, that's, you know, that's what you want when you recruit guys and when you bring them in. You want guys who embrace that challenge and go after each other because if they make pra if practice is really hard and it's really hard going after each other, it's really hard play, then that's going to mean that the game is going to be that much easier when you're when you're when you're focusing on all that difficulty in practice and you're you're expending all that energy just to win in practice. It means that you know things are going to be that much easier when it comes to game day because. You're going to be like, finally, I get to face somebody else and, and maybe somebody less talented and maybe somebody who doesn't fight as hard and, and it'll be much that much easier to beat them. Andy, what stood out to you about that uh, or maybe any other quotes that you heard at Media Day? Well, I thought one of the other things Juwan said in that was he talked about somebody asked him for like a specific um, specific moment or something like that where they had gone, gone back and forth and... So he talked about a, a drill, like a two-on-two -two drill with, you know, going around a ball screen. And and so he talked about, you know, Devontae a lot of times last year could just kind of use his quickness and just get around whoever it was and, and talked about that Rob had really good lateral quickness and was able to to kind of shut him shut him off a little bit, not make it as easy on him. So um you know, and, and you would hope when you start thinking about the contrast and what you what you talked about before that Juwan had brought up, it's like, you know, maybe there's some elements of one another's game that they can each uh, employ because I think somewhere a, a mix 
potentially of the skills that they provide and the, and the way they approach the position is uh, is a really good one. So, you know, can they pick some things up from each other? Can they really be, you know, kind of competing, but also joined at the hip to, to be able to learn from one another? Uh, and if they can, as you said, that becomes a, a much more reassuring answer to what uh, any of us would say is really the biggest question for the team heading into the season. And, and neither of those guys has to be great for Indiana to be great as a team. They just have to be good collectively, you know, because there are other great players and there are other just really good options on this team. So they don't have the pressure where they have to go out and be the guy. But if we can just get solid, consistent play from, you know, from those guys, that's going to answer the biggest question. So, uh, you know, again, just really encouraging to hear that. And hopefully it's something that, you know, carries forward, not just from the first week of practice, uh, but beyond that. Uh, Ryan, one quote from Archie that I thought you would be interested in is uh, he said, if you ask me a guy who could turn the corner and be a different type of weapon than maybe he was last year, it would be Justin, meaning Justin Smith. And so another you know, kind of positive quote about him. I feel like we haven't heard a, a ton about him this offseason in terms of like comments from the coaches and that kind of thing. We've certainly talked about him a lot, um, but that was pretty good to hear. And, you know, again, kind of confirmation of, of what we've been expecting of him uh, from a from a breakout type performance. Yeah, it's. I think the most interesting thing for me is going to be how they end up deploying him this year. I mean, I assume he'll be starting, but I, I you know, how are they going to do it? Are they going to have him hanging out on the perimeter? Are they have him cutting to the basket more, just straight cuts? Are they going to screen and roll to try and get him the ball as the roll man? Uh, is he going to be shooting more threes? Are they going to just be straight posting him up early in the season? You know, especially if a guy like Evan Fitzner's in there, does he pull out to the perimeter? Do you put Justin Smith in the post and let him work? I mean, there's really a lot of options and it depends on where his game's gone. And, And again, we haven't seen him. So we don't know what kind of wrinkles he added to his game. So I would say, I think that that is a fascinating sort of look at what's going to happen uh, this year with him is, well, what are they going to do with him? And and he's certainly a guy who is multi-talented and, and can really uh, be versatile for, for IU. And it'll be interesting to see what Archie comes up with to try and deploy him. You're listening to Assembly Call Radio. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Brian Phillips talking about what we heard at Big Ten Media Day. Uh, you know, Andy... I thought Archie was, I don't necessarily want to say that he was, you know, downplaying the team, but certainly with his initial comments uh, when he was at his press conference, you know, he wasn't being overly optimistic, we'll say. You know, he talked about how the guys need to mature. You know, we've got some growing up to do that kind of thing and talked about how, you know, we're really, you know, we're, we're, we're at this place where we've got some veterans returning who are ahead of the game. And then we just need to add to it with the seven newcomers that he cited. And so I thought, you know, that was interesting just in terms of, you know, not wanting to kind of overhype those guys, maybe tamper down expectations a little bit. And, you know, you kind of measure those comments with Zach McRoberts being a captain, his just continued, just effusive praise of Zach. And it's real easy to kind of knock Zach McRoberts out of the starting lineup when you start projecting lineups and things. But I mean, every week now, as we get closer to the season, it gets harder and harder for me to see Zach McRoberts not being you know, a mainstay in the rotation, if not, you know, a starter well, well into the season. Yeah, I thought, you know, one of the things I forget how he phrased it about Zach, but it was it was something to the effect of you. He's one guy that, you know, no matter what is going to give you everything that he has every time he goes out there, whether it's practice games, whatever the case may be. And, and had some other comments that really talked about, you know, being a trusted guy, um, knowing what you're going to get. And I mean, yeah, we've talked about this before. That was one of the reasons that he really has 
been able to work his way into the rotation these last couple of years because there were so many times when you looked on the bench and try to figure out like who on this roster do you know what you're going to get? Do you know what you're going to get from them on a night in and night out basis? And so, um, and I think that's one of the things we've kind of come back to in, in the off season of, yeah, you can say that there's all these other guys there, but for, for a guy who's trusted and does the thing that the things that Archie wants to do, um, it, it's going to be hard to unseat him from a spot in the rotation. Cause he really didn't, you know, hasn't done anything to play himself out of it. Uh, and, and, and Archie talked about, you know, how they've really, you know, worked on some of the shooting things they've been able to do in the off season this year that they weren't able to do last year. And I think this was on the big 10 network part, you know, cited both Juwan and Zach as guys who had really improved, uh, over the course of the, the summer and what they had those guys doing. And so, you know, if, if he becomes a bit more, uh, not a scorer, but a guy who's willing to take shots and, and can knock some down, uh, I think that becomes, you know, kind of a, a you know, icing on the cake for him. But, but I agree. I, I just don't see based on these other comments that there's really any way to talk yourself out of him playing, you, you know, a, a fairly major role on the team. Hey, did you see his sweet behind the back dribble step back jump shot in that practice video that was posted? That's something we <laughs> haven't seen. <laughs> I did. I did. Ryan, uh, final thoughts. We've got about 30 seconds left this segment. Just final thoughts on, you know, Archie's overall comments on the team and Zach. Yeah, I, I think, look, Zach's always going to be consistent. And I think that that's something you rely on. But one thing I will say about this team, and we're talking about, I don't know how he plays himself off this team. Well, this year, there's enough talent that just being himself and, and not really taking a big leap forward, there's a chance he loses playing time because other guys are going to be more talented. And I don't think that was the case last year. Like like we said, you know, you look down the bench, where are you going to go? Okay, Zach. But this year, there is going to be a lot of talent. So these guys are all going to have to be constantly improving because there are guys waiting there to take their jobs. Yeah. Absolutely. All righty. Coming up, those of you listening on the radio Friday night may be switching over to high school football, so be sure to catch the replay at assemblycall.com. For everyone else, we're going to make our preseason Big Ten predictions next. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. If you are a serious IU Hoops fan, then you need to be subscribed to our free IU Basketball email newsletter. There's a high-level operation going on out there. You will get our six-banner Sunday news roundups, as well as our detailed post-game analysis emails once the season begins. This content is why more than 6,000 of your fellow IU fans are already subscribed to our list, and joining them is easy. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. Make no excuses. Can we get some basketball, please? Okay, back to talking basketball. I am Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. And guys, we just talked about Big Ten Media Day. Now let's look ahead and give some Big Ten predictions. Uh, you know, <laughs> we talked before the show started about how it's kind of silly that the Big Ten doesn't really do any official preseason polls. They just kind of do this big, you know, 10-person all-conference team. But fortunately, the uh, Big Ten Media they handle this. They do an unofficial media poll. Dylan Burkhart and Adam Jardy. Uh, Dylan Burkhart covers Michigan. Adam Jardy covers Ohio State. They kind of spearhead this. 
and they get responses from two beat writers for each team. So it's a pretty comprehensive poll. They released their results this week. Indiana finished third in the preseason conference standings. Michigan State was first. Michigan was second. Then the Hoosiers. Then Nebraska, Purdue, Wisconsin, Maryland, Ohio State, Minnesota, and Iowa uh, rounded out the top 10. Uh, and then for their all-conference team, Juwan Morgan made the first team all-conference, and Romeo was the unanimous choice for Big Ten Freshman of the Year, so I thought it would be fun for us to present our Big Ten predictions. Um, it, yeah, so let's do that. Andy, do you want to go first and give us... Let's start with standings. We don't need to go all the way down, but let's just do maybe the top four. I think that'll be all interesting. Right. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, so I would probably have... Uh, actually, be pretty close to what theirs was. Michigan State, Michigan, IU third. Uh, and then I... To me, it was kind of a toss-up between Purdue and Wisconsin for fourth. I guess I'll say Purdue just because of of Carson Edwards. Um, I just am not totally sold on Nebraska. I know everybody gets excited that they have, you know, a number of guys back, but uh, let us not let us not forget that they really didn't beat any tournament teams last year until maybe uh, if. Well, really, I'm not. No, I'm not sure they beat any tournament teams the entirety of the year, and that was, you know, they talked about that, you know, going in where the, you know, that they should be considered. So they were not popular on the bracketology cruise. Not yeah. popular. No, not really. You know, but they were thirteen. You know, thirteen and five. I guess they'd beaten Michigan, so I take that back. They'd beaten them, but you know, they were thirteen and five in the league. But the way the unbalanced schedule worked out, they really didn't play a lot of the better teams in the league. So that record looks gaudy, and you can look at that and say, hey, they've got guys back, but. um I'm just not as high on them, maybe as some other people. So I'll put Purdue in that fourth spot, but I could see Wisconsin there as well. Ryan, how do you see I'd, the Big Ten shaping up at the top? Just from seeing it shake out, I think Michigan State, if I was going to pick today, I'd say Michigan State. And I also, by the way, think it's going to be a down. It feels like a down year in the Big Ten, so that's why I'm, I'm shifting it this how, way. How do you define down year in the Big Ten? Like just I, like in terms of top-end teams? Because it sure feels like it's going to be competitive. No, the middle, I think the middle and lower end of the conference is not going to be very good. Uh, I think the top end teams will be what the top end teams are. They'll be solid and, and they'll be good. And I think Michigan State, as always, has a chance to win a national title. I, don't, I mean, they're not my pick, but I think that they'll certainly have the talent to do it. It depends how it fleshes out. Last year, they looked like a surefire pick to go to the Final Four, and then they really didn't play very well most of the season. So I would say I, I have Michigan State number one. I put Indiana number two just because of the depth of talent and the high end talent with Morgan and. Uh, Romeo Langford right now, just looking at it, I'd put Michigan third. I'm not a huge, huge fan of Michigan. I just think they're well coached. And again, I think it's Purdue and Wisconsin in a fight for that fourth spot. I'm going to give Wisconsin the edge a little bit because in this league, I think you do need the post players. And unfortunately, they have one I really don't like. So uh, I'm going to put Wisconsin number four. And I think Purdue just lost a lot. This isn't an indictment of Purdue and their roster. I just think they lost a lot. And, and so I can't really put them as a team that I love. I mean, Carson Edwards is great, but other than that, I'm not really sold on their roster. When, when I look, just to go back to your question about the Big Ten, Jared, about like down years, I would take probably the opposite stance of what Ryan said. I think there's probably not a... I don't know that any team really belongs in the top 10, maybe even the top 12 heading into the season. Maybe yeah, that's that, fair too. I mean, Maybe that changes, but I think, you know two through you know you could maybe even argue that michigan state's not a, a clear-cut number one but i think it's that's kind of a talent argument for me talent plus Izzo. um but i think you know second through 
theoretically seventh or eighth. I think you've got a lot of really good teams in there, but but come tournament time, do you end up with a bunch of teams seated between sixth and tenth, as opposed to having very many on those you know top four seed lines? I, I feel like it's more like that. So I think it'll that's, be that's how I really feel. competitive, but not necessarily. I, I just think there's not a clear. You know, last year you had Michigan State and Purdue were just so much better than everybody else. Um, Michigan ended up being the one that went furthest in the tournament, but. Those were three really good top end teams. I just don't think you're going to have one team that even approaches where Michigan State and Purdue was over the course of last year. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that makes sense. You know, I, I look at it similarly to you guys. I pick Michigan State first, and uh, you know I think they have a lot of questions, but they've got experience back, and they've got a really good point guard in Cassius Winston. You know, Nick Ward apparently is you know kind of ready to step into a bigger role, and even though they lost those two really talented guys. Tom Izzo also doesn't have kind of the challenge of trying to fit them in and maybe even playing them out of position a little bit. And so the pieces, even though they'll be less talented, the pieces might fit a little better this season. Um, I put Indiana second because Indiana has a lot of questions, but you start going down the rest of the Big Ten teams, they all have as many questions as Indiana does, but Indiana has two players that are better than most of the players on the rest of those teams, certainly in terms of a duo. And then I have Wisconsin third just because the rest of the teams didn't really separate themselves for me. And I think Ethan Happ is going to be the player of the year in the conference. And so that was kind of the tiebreaker for me. And then Michigan fourth. I know, I know, I know. But I mean, he's going to put up the numbers and he's he is a really good player despite, you know, our challenges with him um, unless traveling becomes a point of emphasis this year from a, an officiating standpoint i mean he's got the i mean the pathway is right there for him to put up big numbers yes yes and then uh you know michigan i think they've got a lot of questions too but it's kind of john beeline to me now kind of gets the bo ryan respect treatment where it's like you know you got to kind of knock him down before i'm going to believe it so i put them in the top four just because i guess i trust their coach more than anybody else so uh a lot of similarities there between our rankings. Let's talk about let's talk about surprise teams. So, you know, Andy, in terms of criteria, let's talk about a team that finished in the lower half of this unofficial poll that we think has the best chance of jumping up and getting into the upper half. Uh, well, I mean, I feel like it would be be cheating a little bit, but technically, Ohio State is in the lower half, and they would be one that I think when you look at them from a, a sheer talent standpoint, they lose Bates Diop. Um, there's no kind of clear cut star of the team. Um, but I, I just think when you look at what Chris Holtman's done, I think they become an intriguing team that maybe they slip in there because everybody's pretty evenly matched. But if I didn't, if I didn't pick one of those, uh, I guess I would say Minnesota, if they can get good point guard play. Um, when you look at the roster, I mean, they really have between Jordan Murphy, Dupree McBrayer is, is good. Amir Coffey's back. I mean, they have talent. They don't have a lot of depth, and and the point guard is a question mark because I'm not sure Isaiah Washington is really a guy that can slide into that role uh, with Nate Mason finally gone. Um, but I think if they do that, finally. then maybe they maybe they can figure things out. But they've been so, you know, two years ago they were, you know, come out of out of out of nowhere and shock everybody, and last year they you know have some off court incidents and then turned into a complete tire fire. So I'm not really sure. You know what? Who the real? You know what their real program is like. But they'd be another one just based on talent that I think could could jump up there. Hey, I mean, you know, Richard's gonna have his dad's full attention. He's not doing anything, so maybe he can help him with uh with some coaching. Um. Yeah. Well, once he's done being dumbfounded by what's going on in college basketball, maybe shocked. Absolutely maybe shocked. Maybe he'll pick him pick himself up off the floor and uh, be able to help his kid out. 
Yes. Uh, you're listening to Assembly Call Radio. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. We are giving our predictions for the Big Ten season. You know, my surprise team, I, I thought about Minnesota too, but, you know, it's tough for me to trust the coach, but they do have a lot of really good talent. The team that kind of stood out to me is Iowa. And I know, you know, we all kind of laugh Speaking about of Fran McCaffrey. You can trust Fran well, McCaffrey. I know, I know. And, that, and, that's, and that's my problem with them and the fact that they were so atrocious defensively. I mean, they were like, you know, Tom Crean's worst years level bad defensively last year, but they do have almost everybody back. And continuity does mean something in college basketball when there's so much turnover. They've got a really good player in Tyler Cook. So, you know, it's again, you know, you're looking for a team where, you know, not a lot is expected preseason. A lot of things go right. Give me the team that has the most continuity. So, and then Fran McCaffrey talked today at Big Ten Media Day about how defense was a big emphasis for them. So, you know, it's easy to kind of look at them. They're sure ranked down there. It was, I, hey, well, I know <laughs> it, it's all talk until we see it, but. They're a team that I think they are certainly going to be dangerous. Like they're going to be a frisky team this year that has a chance to beat anybody on any night, but they could also lose at any time unless they shore up that defense. So, well, there's a good nickname for Fran now, Mr. Frisky, Frisky Mr. Fran, Frisky Fran. Yes. Um, Someone right. mark that one down. We'll come back to it. And Ryan, you're choosing Rutgers. So we'll move yes, on. Yes, of course. There. Rutgers, the surprise okay. team. No, hey, uh, I, I would say I, I think you guys make a good case for I you know, I need to get deeper into it with with the lower tier teams. I've really studied the top end of the conference because I, I feel like that's who Indiana's gonna be competing with. But I would say Maryland, Ohio State, Minnesota, and and Iowa are the four. One of those four teams is gonna jump up. You just it it really depends on the continuity and the leadership and who grew over the summer. I mean, we don't that's the hard part of projecting is we don't know who has gotten better, who's taken over a leadership role, who has, you know, really asserted themselves. And and the team that can find a leader out of those four teams is the team that's going to jump up and, and surprise people. And it's one of those four, I think, for sure. And they just have to find somebody to sort of coalesce around. And you think you do, I mean, as Andy said, pointed out with Chris Holtman in Ohio State, I mean, he did it last year out of nowhere. And and I have a hard time thinking that he's not going to figure out something this year with that group. They also had a supreme, t- I mean, they went from, you know, kind of out of nowhere to having the player of the year in Kata Bates Diop, and they don't have a True. guy like that to build around this year. So True. that's kind of the But difference. maybe they do because the, he came out of nowhere, as you said. I mean, do well, they but have he was, some- but he was a top recruit. I mean, he at least had the pedigree sure. is what I mean. So, yeah, for sure. It's just a question of, you know, whether somebody can step up and fill, even if it's two or three guys, fill those shoes. And yeah. and we'll have to see because, again, we haven't been in the locker room with those teams this summer. Yeah. All right. So let's finish this up by talking about our all-conference teams. So, Ryan, we'll let you go first with this. Who are your – and we're just doing five. So no cheating and putting all the good players on the all-conference team like the Big Ten does. Pick them yeah. all. Just fill out a roster like you're handing out scholarships where you can just have as many as you want. Uh, I would say Carson Edwards. Uh, I I would say probably Cassius Winston, Jawan Morgan, and Ethan Happ. Is that five? That's, That's five, four. Right? That oh, four. and Nick Ward. And Nick Ward. I thought I'd say Nick Ward on the, on the all-conference team. Okay. Yeah, I'll put him there. I think he's going to have a big year. He is. Okay. Interesting. Andy? I think that it, so I think Hap, uh, Edwards, Winston, if you think Michigan State's going to win the league, because somebody would certainly be from there. And I think he seems to be the obvious guy from an efficiency standpoint, from a, you know, kind of running the team standpoint. And Juwan, like, I feel like those are kind of, kind of no brainers. Uh, and so then it kind of comes to, for me, it was Romeo or, 
uh, James Palmer Jr. Just because, yeah. I, you know, he put up big numbers for Nebraska. If they end up being as good as people think they would be, you have to think it would be him. Charles Matthews would be the Michigan guy that you'd consider. Um, so I, I will, because I know what yours is, I'll say James Palmer just to be a little bit different. But um, those were kind of the guys that came down to for me. I think you've got kind of six guys for five spots um, in my head based on who you think is going to be there. And if Palmer puts up numbers like he did last year, I think he actually was a first-team all-conference guy a year ago, if I remember correctly. So um, kind of stands to reason that maybe he would get that again. Yeah, yeah I would I would echo what Andy said about Palmer and Matthews. They're certainly in the mix for me. I'm putting the Ward in there because I think he might be he, he might get votes for defensive player of the year and he might sneak on to the first team. That was my guess. But Palmer and Matthews and Murphy are all certainly in there. Yeah, I went, I mean, look, Edwards and Hap, those are obvious ones. I think Winston is too. And then, you know, Jawan, I think to me, I think he's a clear cut choice. And it is really hard to figure out that last one. I went with Romeo because I do think Indiana's going to finish in the top two. And I just think if it comes down between he and Ward or Palmer, one of these other guys, he's the most talented player among those guys. And so I'm kind of trusting his talent, even though he doesn't have the experience. I'm trusting his talent, his ability, and just kind of his name and reputation and the fact that the story of a freshman getting on the first team all Big Ten, you know, might end up swaying some voters. So I'm I'm putting Romeo there, and yeah, that's a homer vote having two Hoosiers on there. But I also think Indiana has the best duo in the conference, and so if it's going to be two guys from any team, that's who I think it'll be. So, and I think you know, if Indiana and Michigan State are at the top of the conference like I think they are, it's reasonable to think that one of those two teams could get two guys on it. So I'm well, and and, and the other thing with Romeo is, does he have a couple big games that make him stand out to guys who don't watch him every week? You know, like does he have a forty point game somewhere in a conference game where he's just draining threes, or you know, and, and that yeah. makes you stand out when the guys are voting. So it really, de- it really depends. Does he have those big standout? Games? Yeah, and you're just going to hear about him more than James Palmer Jr. or these other guys who are really good players. Don't get me wrong, but Romeo's got the hype behind him. And if he lives up to that, I think he's going to end up being rewarded for it. Certainly as freshman of the year, but I think also, you know, he'll end up getting on the all conference team too. Any, any final thoughts about the conference before we wrap it up? I I mean, from my perspective, I do think it's going to be really competitive and I'm looking forward to seeing who asserts themselves in the, in the middle of the league and who can really emerge from that pack. Because, um, you know, if that's IU, we all have them kind of on the, you know, the upper edge of that, you know, cluster of teams, then uh, I think that bodes well. I think you're just going to have a lot of good, but maybe not great teams. Um, and somebody that you don't expect is probably going to fall out of that group and somebody that you don't expect might rise to the top of it. And hopefully uh, I use the one that does that. If I had to pick one that would fall yeah. out of it, I'd probably say Maryland. I think we've seen Turgeon do uh, less with more, I guess you, you could say in the past where you've got, you know, a decent amount of talent. I think people look at the talent um, that they have, decent recruiting class and and a few of the guys they got back and I think it's going to go well, but I think we've seen that before with them and it hasn't panned out quite as well. And you know what we can't predict is things like injuries and suspensions that killed Minnesota last year when they were highly regarded. And I'm sure, you know, something like that will hit somebody this year. And that's the stuff that you can't predict, which is why, you know, teams that aren't expected to do well, do a little bit better and, and things get a little bit jumbled from where they are in the preseason. So I think it'll be a fun competitive conference season though. And I'm excited that we're going to get 20 games of it. So Looking forward to it. I felt like we had an amazing conversation on all Um, levels. Here we go. 
Coming up in our final segment, we are going to answer some more of your questions, including one about Indiana's in-state recruiting and a couple of hypotheticals uh, that are actually really interesting to ponder. That is next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Listening to the Assembly Call, we are wrapping up another week of talking IU basketball. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms, and it's our fourth segment, so that means it's time to take your questions. If you ever have a question for the show, you can leave us a voicemail throughout the week with your question at 317-762-6253. That is 317-ROB-MAKE, or you can send us a note on Twitter at Assembly Call. Uh, so we did have a voicemail question, and let's hit that one right here off the top, guys. This is from Chris. Hey, guys, this is that Chris R. Payne. Big fan of the show. With IU seemingly turning the corner on in-state talent, what took so long? Was it the coaching priority? Is it the national recruiting phenomenon? Or is it these guys have never seen IU be an elite program? I'm currently on a two-year plan. Have a good show, guys. <laughs> Number one, just a just a phenomenal inclusion of the inside joke there. No, it was on a two-year plan. So he kudos, was. Kudos, he was. Kudos, to, kudos to Chris for that. Nice uh, job, Chris. So, I, hat, hat, hats off to you, my friend. That, that was, was good. Well, well done. That was good. Um, okay, so Ryan, do you want to hit? I mean, I feel like we've hit this before, but let's hit it again here. Why it's is always Indiana good doing a better I, job? Instead? There were it was a, it was a number of factors. One, uh, big time programs were going after the state of Indiana, Duke, North Carolina, you know, Michigan whoever state. else, Michigan State, Kansas. I mean, so that's always going to make defending your home turf tough when big time programs come out. And look, if a kid goes to North Carolina. I mean, obviously, we found out a lot of crap about North Carolina. But we're talking like 10 years ago before all that stuff came out. I think if a kid went to North Carolina, he said, you know, you can't really hate that. It's a great school. He, they compete for national titles. You can't really be mad about that. And, and I think Indiana, what they did in turn was started looking outside the state and trying to draw kids from states without huge basketball powers in them. New York, Georgia, Alabama, you know, states like that. And and. and that was sort of became a focus. Now, when Tom Creed came in, they did do some in-state recruiting. They got Cody Zeller. They got Yogi Ferrell. They got Jordan Hulse. I mean, they, they did grab in-state talent, but he also had sort of the philosophy of lock down a lot of in-state talent and go out and cherry pick other places. The problem is some of that in-state talent didn't work out. We saw it with the movement. And I think that that soured not only coaches in the state, but also soured the program a little on okay, well, we're just going to default to the best in-state talent because it's always going to work out. It doesn't always work out, but it doesn't work out you know, when you go out of state too. So I think that the best recruiting philosophy is obviously lock down the state as much you can, but you do have to go outside the state sometimes. I mean, if there is a great game-changing recruit somewhere who wants to give IU attention, go get him, and you have to. But of course... The, the focus should be in state for sure. I think that everybody agrees with that. Everybody knows the amount of talent here. And, and also, I like what this, what this uh, staff has done, not just in state, but also the surrounding states, Ohio, Minnesota. You know, if you've got players in the, Illinois, if you've got players in those areas, go get them close to home too, because those players know the Big Ten. They know what's expected of them at a place like Indiana. So I do like that, but I do think at times that there's a guy from out of state, maybe across the country, who's real good, 
you do have to occasionally go cherry pick those guys. And that's always been the case at Indiana going back years is that you can go out and get the best uh, regardless of where they're from. And Crean also just didn't, and you kind of alluded to this, but he just didn't have great relationships with the coaches in state. And as they soured, didn't do what he needed to do to repair them and didn't invest like Archie has in the coaches in the state to build and that's, that goodwill. And that's, that's a huge long term. And you hear coaches talk about this. I know Archie's talked about it. You, you recruit programs as much as you do players because the good programs in the state constantly have good players coming through them and constantly have top-end talent. So you're recruiting coaches as much, much as you are players. You're recruiting families as much as you are players. And you're trying to just sort of, I don't know, get in that, uh, get in, create pipelines, basically, is what I think the, the, the idea is. Well, I think the other thing you see with with Archie's general philosophy, and we talked about this too, is you know, Crean was was you know offering nearly everybody in the you know top X of a, of a given class, and I think you've seen Archie really prioritize certain players. Many of those to this point have been in state guys, but you know, just not, not casting the wide net, making it clear who the priorities really are, and and I think that really, in, in some ways, regardless of what state you are, is is what these guys want to, to understand kind of where they sit in the pecking order. And I'm not sure that was always clear when you've got, you know, 25 offers out to, you know, the top 40 kids. All right. So here's an interesting question from James. Andy, go to you with this first. Would you feel better about the track of the program if this year we basically won every game in which we reasonably uh, were close to being favored, but lost most of the marquee matchups? Or if we took down a surprising, uh, you know, a few surprising big teams, but also had some head scratching losses in there, um, assuming identical records at the end, which kind of composition of, of schedule and results do you think would be better, a better sign for the future of the program? Uh, boy, that's, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to lean toward the, the latter where took down some big teams, um, but had some head scratching losses. I think, you know, the first one you could make the argument for being winning the games that you're supposed to win, because that is kind of progress compared to, uh, to a year ago where you don't have these kind of, how did this happen? How did you lose to Rutgers in the big 10 tournament, the Indiana state and and the Fort Wayne, games there as well but the other thing that was missing from last year was those marquee wins that kind of proved to the players proved to the fan base like yeah we can get over the hump and here's where we are so i think being able to win a few of those marquee games um would would solidify hey this is things are on the right track and i think with the team as young as you're going to have this year archie made a point to bring that up to everybody that he talked to today there's basically seven newcomers on the team i think you're in some ways almost bound to have some of those head scratching losses anyway. So I'll take the latter and, and go with the highs um, that will have a few lows accompanied to it. Although my demeanor in post game shows may not match that if it actually plays out that way, but <laughs> see, you see, look, obviously we want both, but I actually think I would rather have the more consistency beating who you're supposed to beat. If I have to choose one of these, because I think the talent is going to continue to improve. And so we will be favored and supposed to beat more teams moving forward. So if we can prove under this coach with this program that we just take care of business, I think we'll be expected to take care of a lot more business in the future. And so to me, I would feel better about that than the other if I had to pick one, just in terms of feeling better about the the you know progress that the program I have an idea. Saw. I have an idea. Oh How about we go just go undefeated? That was not a productive answer. <laughs> Just saying, that's the way to solve that. <laughs> that is the way to solve it, though. All right, let's do that. Let's go undefeated. 
Um, okay, Ryan, here's one for you. This is from Jeremy. What would you rather have? A subpar season where we barely make it into the tournament and then make a run to the Elite Eight or finals or win a Big Ten championship, get a one or two seed in the tournament and then lose like in the Sweet 16 or before? None. How about neither of those? No, we have to uh, make tough choices. <laughs> win a Big Ten championship. It's always win a Big Ten championship. Uh I, I think that that's the most important thing you do every year. I mean, yeah, of course, winning a national title is what you want to do, but it's so rare to make those runs and to to do things like that. You went, Your goal every year should be to win the Big Ten Championship, and then whatever happens in the tournament happens. Uh, yeah, of course, I want to make a, a run to uh, the Elite Eight, but I want to win a Big Ten Championship. You get to hang a banner for that. You get to put up, you know, whatever. Uh, uh, like, that's... Big Ten supremacy is the most important thing to an Indiana fan, and a national title is just the amazing thing that can happen once in a while, and it's so rare to get there. But you want to compete and win a Big Ten championship every year, and and I think that that, for me, takes precedent over making a run to the Elite Eight, which is great, but unless you're winning a national championship, I don't care about anything but Big Ten championship. I want to win that Big Ten championship. My impulsive side wants to say the the run deep in the tournament just because given the context because we haven't had that it's like you know we've been capped at the sweet 16 but in general I agree with you you know winning a big 10 title that's that's something that stays forever you know you won the big 10 title so my more prudent side would probably end up siding with you on that one Andy uh yeah I think it becomes a, a- a diff- maybe a different answer if you say to the final four, but the elite eight, like there's really only one difference in like tournament wins between these two scenarios. So I would side with the big 10 championship. Maybe I'm taking these two literally, but um, I think that, you know, winning a big 10 championship this season in, in Archie's second year um, would just send such a positive message that, you know, you kind of build up a little equity that, you know, okay, well maybe you only made it to the sweet 16, but you know, things are really on a good trajectory versus, if you're barely squeaking your way into the tournament, then I'm not sure how great you feel about the season as a whole. Um, and while certainly teams can you know, get lucky and, and go on a run, um, yeah, I, I think I would definitely take the latter. Hopefully that doesn't contradict my answer to the prior question. All right, Ryan, yes or no question, because we're about out of time. Worst case scenario, inconsistent point guard play. Do you see a scenario where Romeo gets minutes at the point guard for a large portion of any game this year if the other guys we've, are struggling? We've said much? this a lot. Uh, I, Archie does not have a married-to-point guard thing, so I think that you'll see Romeo bringing the ball up anyway. Uh, and, and yeah, if things are inconsistent with the other guard, then yeah, I think that you can rotate to a different setup there. Yes or no? Yes or no? All That's right. not a yes or no question. <laughs> that will do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. 
And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the assembly call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating. And so many of you have donated and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.